This is URN Sport. University Radio Nottingham, that's a good station as well, URN. Let them do a go well to finish, please. Can you stop editing the go well, please, at the end of their show? Cheers. Go well. Keep it URN. Keep it URN. URN. This. This. Is URN. Hello and welcome to Sticky Week. It's the only cricket podcast that's output goes down during the summer season. I'm joined by a multitude of guests. Toby Reynolds is above me on the Zoom call. Toby, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good, thanks, Tom. How are you, mate? I'm very tired, very tired. Archie, how are you? Yeah, not doing too badly, Tom. Thanks for asking. You're, you're off to a gig tomorrow to see um, a band whose name I've already forgotten. Who are they? Greta Van Fleet in Manchester. Looking forward to it. Hopefully it's going to be good. Hopefully they'll be on the URN playlist next year. And we're joined by actual athlete George Bowman, who is currently cooking his dinner, planning his dinner uh, whilst on the Zoom. George, how are you, mate? I'm well, mate. And that's commitment. That is commitment, yeah. That's what Sticky Wickets demands. We had a fun game, quite similar to Who's Ringing My Ian Bell, before we went on air. What was George going to have for tea? And we all went past about apparently had that for lunch, so no one could score. My video, not. No. No, Wow. Oh, we've got a lovely view into George Bowman's kitchen. Um, we've all played a bit of cricket for the first time. This is the first time Sticky Wickets has actually been active. Um, I'm going to go to Archie first. Archie, you said you were the winning captain. Go on, describe your Owen Morgan-esque victory then for... Well, the uh, first sort of proper game I've captained for a club because uh, the other captain's off doing some other cricket. He, he's a bit of a cricket nut as well. So um, we, had a, we had a team of mixed players, really, a lot of ringers. And uh, gelled them all together through me and managed to, to pull off a run chase. We weren't chasing too many. It was only about 95 in 20 over, but, but got us over the line. 95 and 20 is actually quite tricky because do you go for it? Do you not go for it? It's actually quite mm. a strong mind game. So I'd say that 95 and 20 overs is tricky, Don. 95 and 20 overs. No, but sometimes tricky. you overthink Come it. On, do you remember when England lost to... I want to say Sri Lanka at Headingley in the 2019 World Cup. The total was so low, they just needed a captain to get them through. And I'm saying Archie did that. So, plaudits to Archie there. So, well Thank done, Archie. Toby, you've been playing a bit of cricket, but you're currently in France. When was the last time you played? Uh, not for a few weeks. I don't know if I talked about it last time. On I the think podium. I talked about your um, time wicket-keeping and batting. Um, mm. You're in France. Where are you in France, Tobes? I'm in Brittany, North France, Northwest France. Any cricket being played? No? Uh, I've been trying my best, but but alas, no, nothing, nothing here, you know. See quite calm. French cricket going. Um, George is out of shot, so I'm not sure whether he we can ask him. This is the most erratic. No, no, you can ask me, you can ask me. I've got my earphones in that. Oh, lovely stuff. I can George, hear you. What cricket have you been playing? Oh, I've played a bit. Just, yeah, <laughs> I haven't been going to a not going too well. <laughs> no. Um, Got first I... baller this weekend. First ball? Ooh. Ooh. Yeah, it was also the first ball of our innings, which makes it <laughs> better. That is not... We're not going to uh, go too deeply into that then. We lost... Oh, I did all sorts, mate. I did all sorts. Jagged yeah. in, swung away, top of off. Yeah, yeah. Absolute, Ripped that's the stuff. Uh, it actually wasn't. I just missed a straight one. <laughs> was a 13 year old leg spinner bowling absolute <laughs> full time <laughs> 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 
Yeah. No, I can't tell you. You're better than that. Music. I don't play 13 year olds. I don't play 13 year olds. I don't suck at that level. Um, I played in two games. Uh, we beat BGS, who were like the big, big rival I've never really liked. Uh, I scored the winning runs, got a 20, 28 not out, two wickets off the ball, and then got a run out and a catch. Had to mention that, Tobes. It's this is the real reason, Dom. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah exactly. That's what I was going to say. No wonder Dom wanted to ask us all weekend. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. This is the only reason we're doing this podcast. And then this, and then we lost by five <laughs> runs to Clifton College, unfortunately. Um, one drop off my bowling. And then this Saturday, we're playing the Allen Cup, which is the school staff versus pupils game, which is named after my family. So... Shout out to anyone who's going to be playing the Allen Cup this weekend. I think we should get a Woods, a Reynolds and a Bowman Cup sorted, but I'm not sure who's going to play in that. So we need to think long term. Is it actually now. named after your family? Surely there's a story there. Yeah, well, we just, well, I was the first, I played every cricket team for my school since year three. Uh, my sister played a lot of women's cricket for school and I did some coaching for the first women's cricket team since the 1980s. So my mum just wanted to put a bit of something in. Uh, shout out to Anne. I know you're listening. Hi, Anne. Um, yeah, this is really weird explaining this, but yeah, it's, it's a nice little tournament. It's nice to see all the old teachers, but we're not here to talk about that. We're here to talk about England's cricket and its miracle successes. Now, Trent Bridge was one of the best test matches England cricket has really enjoyed for a long time. The misery of COVID, the absolute jubilation of Trent Bridge. Now, was it the absolute massive run chase? No, it was not. Was it the free tickets, meaning people could go in to see cricket for the first time for absolutely free, amazing test cricket? No, it was not. Was it the fact Johnny Bairstow scored one of the fastest hundreds and proved Toby Reynolds, Toby, who worked at the hundreds Reynolds, wrong about Johnny Bairstow? Yes, it is. Um, Toby was quite inebriated, let's say that. He enjoyed uh, not having to spend money on tickets and money on something else. Um, Toby, how much of that game do you remember and how did you enjoy that uh, Tuesday afternoon? I, I absolutely loved it. I remember all of it. It just felt like it went by in a blur. But then sort of looking back on it, it was just because Bester went so fast mm. that he just sort of hit boundary off the boundary that I think I maybe thought, oh, maybe I wasn't remembering things. But I think he just <laughs> demolished music so quickly that it almost, it almost felt like it was a dream kind of thing. And I, I would like to add, though, I... I did back Bairstow at the beginning of the summer. Before the beginning of the summer, I have said he's he's pointless to Red Bull cricket. Um, I, I have said that many times, many, many, many times. But um, but at the, at the beginning of the summer, I was like, I back him. He he needs to have a chance. He scored a couple of hundreds, and now he's got a couple more, and uh, and he's he's done well. You know, I think Brendan McCullum's obviously had a bit of an impact. Maybe Stokes as well. Um, but, I mean, we need to see how, how he goes the rest of the summer. There's still another four tests to come. Mm. Uh, next one is going to starting on Friday. Um, but I think he'll, he'll continue all right. Um, and, and I think it has been it's tough on Joe Root, I think, is the one thing we need, can't forget, that everyone else is actually scoring runs now. Under Joe Root's captaincy, he was the only one. Not even Stokes was scoring runs for him. And now Stokes scoring hundreds of runs, Bairstow scoring hundreds of runs, Roots obviously continued his terrific form. Um, even Lee's at the top of the order has, has done, partic- done pretty well as well. So it's just Crawley who's, uh, who's unfortunately letting the side down. But um, hopefully we'll keep it going, but it'll be interesting what will happen the rest of the summer. You make a very good point that it isn't just Root anymore. Uh, Pope's batted very nicely, Stokes has batted very nicely. There's an absolute mauling of in the Telegraph against Paul Crawley, an absolute character decimation really 
But everyone else, Archie, has been enjoying this new leadership. Now, we haven't talked to you since McCullum and Stokes have been uh, captain and coach. How have you found their captaincy and coach reign so far? Uh, yeah, yeah I, I quite like it, actually. It's, it's certainly refreshing because whenever a, a new coach and a new captain comes in and a new director of cricket, actually, is in, in Rob Key, hmm. you always think, are they going to just revert to the, to the same people or are they going to make personnel changes? But for this one, it's definitely been, everyone can see, it's a complete mindset change, um, particularly with the batting. And that's actually helped us to, to get uh, score some, some big runs. We scored 500 at Trent Bridge. Yeah, it was a flat pitch and an absolutely lightning outfield. But we, we still scored 500, and that was after New Zealand scored 500. So hmm. I love the mindset in, we, we went, they scored 500 in, in one and a half days, two days so can we and, and Pope went out got 100 Root went out and got 100 and so I, I, I like the, the fact that it's the changes has been positive and, and is moving forward there is a, there is a, a chance that it's unsustainable but we'll have to see I mean some of the innings have been quite lucky we've had a couple of drop chances um, and I almost think Anderson being injured for this test that we've just had in Headley was a little bit lucky because in that first innings, 55 for six, if Anderson plays, um, you have pots coming in, in um, to accompany Bairstow or, or Broad or whatever. And I don't think we get anywhere near 300. I don't even think we get 150. And so that already puts you behind in the game and, and you might go and lose it. So fair play to Jamie Overton came in, might only be his test of the summer. We'll have to see. But, uh, but, but he took on this, this positive mentality as well. And I think that really shows in, in the squad, some, someone who's, who hasn't played a game yet has come in and, and been able to, to follow this on and lift the team as well. So, so yeah, I'm really excited. I think hopefully, as Toby said, we'll have to see in the rest of the summer, summer comes, but um, it's looking, it's looking good so far. That's a really fantastic answer that bringing in Overton. I didn't really think of that, but it really does demonstrate that if someone's coming in and excelling in say they're not, performed art form I'm going to call it because it was an art form watching Overton such a shame he didn't get to triple figures uh, George Potts has come into the England team no one was quite sure what to make of him but he's he's been an absolute sensation hasn't he he's been unreal he's been absolutely incredible just that even like the metronomic way he just hits the line length um, they were speaking about him on Sky and like how he can swing the ball both ways but I think it's the most dangerous ball he's got is that sort of wobble scene ball where he mm. just like nips the ball in, in or out. It doesn't really know which way it's going. Like Tim Southie was gone on that last sort of wobble scene. It, it's really effective. And he, I was expecting him to be a bit quicker than what he has been. He's sort of in the 82s, 83s, that sort of region. But everyone sort of says how hard he hits the bat and how high up on the bat he hits and that sort of stuff. So even off a good length, he's really hitting that bat hard. Which makes him slightly different to Broad and Anderson, I think. And he does sort of have that that factor where he just seems to be able to get wickets at the right time. And yeah, like I say, just bowled ridiculous amount of overs and just keeps bowling the same, which is which is a brilliant sign for England cricket. I mean, I think it's probably been the, the find of the summer. And you look at like Ollie Robinson came in last summer and did really well, but I think he's he's definitely ahead of Ollie Robson, Robinson now. But I think he looks like a better bowler than him. And, um, yeah, it's really exciting. And obviously, he took the new ball in this test match. Um, and looking forward to post Gordon Anderson, I think. I think he'd be a brilliant new ball bowler for England going forward. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, he's, he's, been, he's been 
unbelievable. I think it's pretty. I mean, <laughs> like you obviously take away, um, like Bearso's heroics and Stokes's leadership, and and everyone seems to be doing well apart from Crawley, as Toby mentioned. But I think he's probably been one of the standout performers for England just because it's his first Test match as well. I mean, he's mm. twenty three and he's been leading wicket taker in the series, and that's not, nothing to be stopped at. That's, that's a really impressive achievement, and. I think everyone's been incredibly impressed about how well he has bowled. Toby's got his hand up as if he's in school. So, uh, Reynolds, yes, go. Yeah, I think that's a good point from George there, being leading wicket-taker. I think the third summer in a row where a sort of debutant has. I mean, obviously last year, Rob uh, Robinson was phenomenal for what what he actually played before sort of injuries and lack of fitness has really struggled for him. And then I... So, sorry, Kevin. I was just going to say it's weird how how similar a bowler they are. Sort of hit mm-hmm. the deck, nip it, do, do a bit with it, and how opposite they are in other ways. The fact that yeah. Pot seems like the most fit bloke in the world. He can yeah. run it all day. He looks like an absolute athlete. And then you've got Ollie Robinson who can't bowl because he's too fat and lazy. Yeah. No, exactly. Then you look. I guess a few years before that, Joffrey Archer. I think twenty nineteen, he absolutely dominated in a couple of tests against the Aussies. Um, so yeah, I think it's been really, really interesting how strong the depth of our, our bowling has been. I mean, you look at Potts and Overton before the beginning of the summer, we're probably our what tenth and eleventh choice bowlers, mm-hmm. um, and now both came Potts in. Wasn't and, even on the radar, was it? Potts wasn't even on the radar, and that's what made it even more impressive. Jamie Overton was on the radar maybe, maybe but since then has fallen off, got a lot of injuries, moved from Somerset to Surrey. Last year at Surrey, he had an absolutely torrid time of it. Basically turned into a batsman because he couldn't land the ball, was getting injured the whole time. And he, he just went in, batted like five and six and just blasted the ball everywhere, uh, mainly in the T20 stuff, bowling maybe one or two overs. Um, but I mean, he's this year has been phenomenal. Worked a lot with um, Azam Mahmood, the, the Pakistan quick, and has, and has really turned his game around. Is he the bowling coach at Surrey? Yes. Yes, he is, yeah. Yeah. They were saying about that, how much he's worked with him to really improve his bowling and how much better he's looking now. I'm I think surprised, yeah. I'm surprised well. that, that that's the Overton that has been sort of second because he, he seems to offer a lot more than Craig Overton. I think Craig is, is, is a lot similar to perhaps a Broaden Anderson who he looks to, to pitch it up a lot more and, and people have said that over the Jamie is, is banging it short. So... I am. I am surprised that they they haven't looked at Jamie for a while. And as you say, he probably was not even the top ten um, bowlers on the radar before the summer. And now he uh, he, he nearly got a hundred. And I do think that's because of what Toby said, though. He sort of just couldn't couldn't bowl. Yeah. Uh, for a few years, he just totally lost it. Got the yips, whatever. Hmm. Well, Jamie just was the summer final. Work out how to. That's it's quite funny how we keep going through a third bowler for Broad and Anderson to bowl with. It was Overton in 17. I want to say Woody in 15 or 16, probably 15. And then the... Toby Rodden-Jones, he had a gig. Toby yeah. Rodden-Jones. And then it's, yeah, it just keeps on going on. And Ollie Robinson, and now Potts is the final, well, most recent addition to that Potts bowl. Look, Potts looks like the best out of all of them, I think. Just just his consistency on his length, through the lines, the fact he can swing it both ways with the new ball. I think he he will end up replacing Rodan Anderson, but then you need to find the other bowlers. But he's been a really great find, I think. George, do you think he's going to be able to, as you say, he does just keep running in for over after over. Is he going to be able to continue that fitness? Because sometimes you get the old 
oh, he's a new man, new boy into the team, bit of bit of the youngster. He's just gonna I'll do my five six overs and then and then let someone else go. I had a, a really interesting interview with him because he has had injuries. He's he's had a couple of stress fractures, um, and he said he worked really hard on his body and his fitness to come back from those which I thought was really interesting that he was saying that he just feels so robust now. And he does look, I mean, he is built like a brick house. Oh, sorry, I can't, can't swear. But he is built, he is built like unbelievably. He's a big boy. And it just looks like he's got that ability where he can just, yeah, like I said, just running all day. It's, it's a, I think he, like inevitably as a fastballer, you probably are going to pick up injuries. But again, it's not following like express pace or anything like that. And it just seems like his body can cope with the amount of load he's putting through it. And he just looks like one of those bowlers that, yeah, it's just, there will be the odd freak injury, of course. But he just looks like one of those bowlers that's not putting in too much effort, everything looks smooth. Like, so I don't really see a reason why he can't continue to bowl like he has been. What do you think? Yeah, I think I, think I saw an interesting thing with uh, Darren Goff and um, another, another um, former England bowler who... He was. They were talking about. We've had obviously a lot of injuries from new bowlers and and bowlers that have, have come back, especially quicks. And obviously Potts isn't lightning quick, but he but he does get through his overs. And they they were talking about um your your bum as being quite integral in 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 picking up injuries and be able yeah, to through his workload. And and Darren Goff said that Potts has got. A, a bum that is able to to get through the load and, and will help his back not get injured like a, a Mark Wood gets injured quite a bit because he has his his side strains and his his bum was built well like that as and he was able to get through overs and that helped him when when he was playing. Yeah, Goff was fat, whereas um, whereas <laughs> that's Boston a bit Boston. harsh. But yeah, it is that it is that those glutes are really important. Mm. Fast, I think I've heard that before, but that's what Potts was saying himself that he did a lot of work in the gym with the strength and conditioning coach at Durham, following his back stress fractures. Obviously, strengthened muscles around around his back to mean he could bowl quick without getting injured. And I guess doing that was part of that. And yeah, he just looks so fit, right? Athletic wise, that it just looks like it's easy for him, kind of thing. So, I, I, yeah, I mean, it's an interesting one because I'm sure we get onto this, but he has bowled, I think the stat was he's bowled 30% more than any other bowler in the country in this last few weeks. And um, obviously with the India test coming up, that's a lot of work for someone that's just come into the, the team with the amount of injuries we've had to fast bowlers. So it'd be interesting to see how they manage him. But, yeah, it's an interesting one for sure. If you're worried that you'd slidden into a different podcast by accident, no, this is still Sticky Wickets. We're just having a bum chat briefly. Uh, Toby, we're going to move away from the topic of bums. Jack Leach has bowled phenomenally this past few days. He's made in 10 wicket hall in a test match. Why do you think he's sort of evolved? Do you think it's because of the new coaching structure or do you think he's had enough time to sort of find his space and place in the team? I think the biggest part of it is he's actually been given an opportunity. I think I saw that the first ball he bowled was a thousand, almost a thousand days the first ball um, of, the, of the series was almost a thousand days after um, the last time he bowled in England 
which seems ridiculous since he's been England's number one spinner for probably almost five years now. Um, but he's just had no opportunity whatsoever um, in England. They picked best for a while, a few injuries. Last summer, it was no Stokes. They wanted to pick sort of a more batting-based side to sort of cover for that. Um, and he's just had no opportunity at all, really, to sort of give him any chance of of having a go in the in the team. And now he's actually had a run in it. He didn't necessarily start off phenomenally in the first couple of tests, got hit off his length a little bit, still chipped in with a few wickets. And I think Stokes' captaincy really helped with that. Um, Leach, and then this final test for five for each innings is fantastic for him. Uh, I think he's, Leach in an interview mentioned that he wanted to drop, um, drop sort of long on, long off, uh, sort of mid on, mid off to long on and long off. And Stokes said, I know we'll keep them up, let them attack and, and they'll hit into into us and we'll get some catches because he wants them to sort of really try and put pressure on the batsmen to get them rather than just knocking easy singles down but to go try and go over the top and it works and I think Stokes himself uh, was building it mid on and took a really good catch over his shoulder to, to get one of Leach's first wickets got a bit lucky with with that one for Nichols where uh, it came off um, Mitchell's bat but even that was partly due to Stokes' captaincy and, and their sort of aggressive intent that Mid on and mid off were up again. So Nichols thought, well, all I have to do here is hit it, hit it past this is the infield, and it's an easy, easy boundary. Unfortunately, yeah, Toby, I get it. You've, t- you've touched on that a couple of times. Do you reckon the biggest thing for Leach is Stokes' captaincy and the way he's managed it? I think it probably is in the way that it's just the the mental side of it. Because I think when you look at or when you sort of look at Leach playing and sort of and his sort of uh, mannerisms a little bit, it's probably mainly confidence he needs. He's not a Shane Warne where he believes himself 100% and is gonna. he thinks he's going to bowl teams out. And when he has bowled well, it is because he's on a bit of a run of good form, maybe a bit lucky like he was in the, the beginning of the Test match this week um, and has really just found his rhythm. And I think, yeah, Stokes' captaincy really has helped. And I think it might just be that it's a sort of different captain role and different leadership team that has allowed them to, even if it's the, they're saying exactly the same thing, because it's from a different voice, they're sort of they're saying it very slightly differently, which maybe impacts uh, impacts Leach in a in a minimal way. I think, but, I think with with Leach in particular, I think it's the starkness of how different the message is being. Like Joe Root used Leach as sort of a last resort a lot of the time, yeah. like oh. The seamers are too tired of Leach. You better have a go, mate. After sort of like a hundred overs and no wickets, whereas Stokes has done it to like totally differently. I mean, he bowled the first over of the innings and was done after sort of six overs, sort of thing. Like it's been totally different. He's managed him totally differently, which I think very interesting. Do you think? That's the same. What, what uh, Dom and Archie? What do you guys think? Yeah, I, I, I'm, I quite like. Leach having a having a go more aggressively than very defensively because um, was it um, the uh, the opposing spinner um, in at the Headingley Test whose name is Bracewell. Uh, Bracewell, yes, um, he came on and he didn't look too comfortable, but he hit Leach for six in the in the second innings, and Stokes made a point of n- not changing the field, keeping those men. On that were where Bracewell hit it over over sort of long on keep him in, um, and then the next ball or a couple of balls later Bracewell chipped it to uh, to mid wicket ish. So 
I, I do like the fact that they're trying not to be defensive because Root would have gone right. Everyone get on the boundary. Let's not concede any more runs. Stokes has looked. That's fine. We because it almost comes down to the batting because we know we can chase three fifty. We've we've chased uh, three hundred the last two tests. I reckon we could do three three fifty. And so they don't actually mind conceding conceding a lot of runs from him because he provides a, a wicket threat. Yeah, I totally agree. We've we've also got to talk about New Zealand's batting, which has been almost English in its reliance on one man, Mitchell, we could say two man, Mitchell and Blunder have been absolutely sensational. Yeah, don't leave poor Blunder out of it. Yeah, I feel bad. I feel bad for that. Um, It's been absolutely sensational to watch those two bat and I think it's been nice to have two batsmen just playing so nicely and I've really enjoyed watching them bat, which I really haven't for other teams. Maybe it's because they're Kiwis and they're just overall good blokes. But let's look at New Zealand for a moment here. Number one in the world, coming to England, who've been down and out, let's face it, pure rubbish at times. Um, not a very good preparation, and we use that as an excuse a lot during the Ashes, Toby. Um, COVID, pregnancy have been big issues for um, uh, Kane Williamson. Kane Williamson's not pregnant, but you can understand what I'm trying to say there. Um, we will be a very interesting press conference if he was. Um, it, it just doesn't seem like New Zealand got off the plane, I don't think, in my opinion. I just, What did you make of their overall tour, Toby? Yeah, it was very underwhelming. I think when we sort of looked at the series before it all happened, I think most predictions were sort of an, a Kiwi win, to either 2-1, 3-0, whatever it might be. I, de- I definitely didn't think England had a chance of winning the whole series. Even after we won that first test, I thought the New Zealand would bounce back and, and at least draw a level to one all at some point, maybe even with... Um, Maybe even two one win for them. I was I was a little I was quite surprised to be fair, but I think yeah, the, as you mentioned there, the top order of New Zealand really didn't step in last year. Conway couldn't stop scoring runs. Williamson, Taylor um, were all fantastic, and and obviously Latham at the top as well. But I mean, none of them really got going. Williamson has been struggling a lot recently. Nichols hasn't done much, um, and, and Conway. I mean, stark difference to to what it was last year. Um, and then even on the bowling front, maybe um, they yeah, didn't have it enough. They didn't really play Wagner, didn't utilise him at all. Jameson got injured. Um, and De Gronholm as well, perhaps a sort of under... under De Gronholm is probably one of the most underrated players you think out there in the world right now. Um, so I think, yeah, none of it really clicked. You think maybe if they'd, their COVID bubble hadn't been breached and, and they didn't have a, as many injuries as they had, they might have had a better chance, but but yeah, the lack of preparation really probably didn't help them as well at the right from the beginning. So this is part one of a two-part podcast. Uh, in the next part, we're going to talk about the white ball and obviously focus on Owen Morgan and a fantastic career. We have got the India Test match coming up, which I'm going to day four. I'm going to be in the Holly stand. Toby, I'm very excited for that. Uh, Archie, I can imagine you being one of those who builds a big beer snake and probably George's and getting into the ground. Um, what's everyone's predictions for Edgbaston? I'm going to go to Archie first. Um, I think it's going to be a lot tighter than we've seen these other games, these previous three tests, because India are definitely going to be up for it and they're going to see how England have played. And England are going to play exactly the same. They're going to try and they'll, they'll, they'll do a relatively normal bowling attack, obviously using the spinner at Edgbaston. I think you might as well, because you never know what pitch is going to uh, rock up there. And then India are going to be a lot more aggressive. Obviously they have, those um, those players in the team that can 
like uh, Rohit Sharma and uh, and Richard Pant, and I think they're going to try and get other players along the rate on along the along the batting lineup to buy into that as well. Perhaps it won't be as as smooth as it has been for England. We'll have to see. Um, but but I think I think England, it will be tighter. But I think England will continue the momentum and and get the win against India. The wonderful thing about cricket in this country is that any game can be a home game for any team, um, especially India at Edgbaston Toby. They've got quite a good record there throughout history. Um, Edgbaston for England, again, quite a good fortress. Um, I know Tim Payne doesn't think so. And we took umbrage that quite start in our first year at uni. Um, what do you think is going to happen in this test match? Yeah, it could be a tight one. I mean, you'd think that England's sort of good form recently might help them and give them a slight edge in India sort of only just flying into the country, really. And it's a one-off test, which can kind of lead to anything. You look at the sort of the World Test Championship as probably the the most recent and the sort of the biggest stage um, for, for one-off tests. And the Kiwis managed to win that one against India. Um, I was looking at the forecast as well. Rain due on Friday and Saturday, meaning maybe a draws on the cards. But with England's no-draw mentality, it... Even then, it could be chasing down 500 on day five is, is a very viable option for England. Did you ever hear what Ben Stokes said before the heading move, before the final test at heading? No. Uh, no, the final day at heading at T. Do you know how, so we batted the last session of day four before day five. Apparently, when, when we went in the change room, Ben Stokes went, right, it's seven and over, boys, to win it today. Let's go out and do it. Like, imagine that. Your test, your test cricket captain saying, "Go and chase it, go and hit, go and bat at seven and over to win it today." When there's another day left. Wow, wow! Uh, I think that pretty much sums up the new mentality. Let's go and attack it. Uh, it's been a fantastic part one of the episode. We're going to go let George have his tea. Uh, do you call it tea, George? Are you a northerner? Is it dinner? What do no, you call it's it? Dinner, mate. Dinner. dinner. Okay. My family call it tea, and I get really annoyed. <laughs> we've been hearing you sort of sizzling onions um it's been quite an interesting podcast for you archie's in his bed toby <laughs> is taking time out of his precious holiday uh with his girlfriend in france Wait, you're going in so thank you all for listening uh part two will be out very shortly hello sticky wicket listener do not be alarmed you still have your second part of this mammoth podcast which uh, which we've made to tackle the first part of England's summer in 2022. As Dom just mentioned, George has popped off to eat the food that he cooked whilst recording that first bit of the podcast. And Toby had to leave us as well uh, to tackle some urgent business in France, apparently. So that just left Dom and myself to tackle England's white ball start to the summer. Uh, hope you enjoy. And, uh, and I must apologise for Dom at the end for taking over Toby's cheers. Go well. And enjoy this second part. This is URN Sport. Hello and welcome to the only Sticky Wickets with no Toby Reynolds. For the first time in over 12 months, no, 24 months really of podcasting, there's no Toby Reynolds on those Sticky Wickets. And I'm not sure how I feel about this. Archie Wood's here to hold my hand to make sure I get through it without crying. Archie, how are you, mate? Yeah, I'm good. Uh, Don't worry, Dom. I won't be too fierce um as toby always is so uh, so you're in safe hands he's, he's just such a little dictator isn't he toby just so aggressive all the time mm. um this is gonna yeah. be a white ball special and we're going to talk a bit about the holland series so let's get that over 
and done with pretty much. Really good for Holland cricket in a way, wasn't it, to get it out there, to be seen, get it being played with some of the best uh, interaction with the community it will probably ever have. That's the positive from it, I can say. Being smacked for 498, Archie, less positive and not all of its uh, main players due to the counties paying them more than Holland cricket can. What would you take away from this as Holland, as a Holland fan? Well, I think a lot of people have said it's, it's quite, it's, oh, this is really bad because they're being, as you say, smacked about the park for, for 498 and, and then having to, to bat first and not really get that many runs. But, but I think it's improved, it's kind of improved their cricket tenfold. Mm. And they've actually had, or they've had three series so far, White Bull series um, this summer, and they've got one more coming up. And I think this is almost like the starting stepping stone for them as a, as a nation that's hopefully going to improve along the way. Obviously, it, it will take many, many years because they don't have at the moment the, brand, the branding that other countries have and, and the skills within the, the players that they have at the moment. But I think, I think it's almost 100% positive. Yes, you can say that their skills weren't there, but were they actually expected to win? You see England, the World Cup, the reigning World Cup champions, um, possibly you probably would stay, say still the best ODI team in the world, even though we hadn't played an ODI for nearly 12 months. But so they weren't expected to win. So what they got out of it was actually not anything to do with the cricket. It was, as you say, community um, exposure, perhaps even uh, um, beers and, and, and other things that sold around the ground. So I think, I think it's fantastic. I was so delighted to see England playing someone different. Wasn't it just so refreshing to have a completely new opposition? And it wasn't, um, let's face it, it's always Pakistan or West Indies or South Africa. We seem to face on an almost annual rotation. It was lovely to see a complete new kit, a complete new culture. And I really enjoyed it. Let's talk what about I, what, what, I, what I'll just jump in. What I did really like as well was the fact that we had like sort of a separate white ball team, which I, again is a start of a new journey. We seem to be having lots of new white ball journeys in, in the past sort of eight or so years. And whether they're going to continue that for things like the T20 World Cup or the uh, the ODI World Cup that's coming around next year in, in 2023, I, I don't know, perhaps not, because you'll want players like Johnny Bairstow and, and Ben Stokes and Joe Root to an extent did play quite a, a big role, pivotal role in 2019. But I think that, that was fantastic that they were able to sort of just withdraw the two teams, separate them mm. and go, OK, we can play a test match at almost the exact same time as we're touring another team playing an ODI series. So I think that was very refreshing and, and quite a new thing that's that's hopefully going to continue. And maybe we'll do a tour to Ireland, as he says, Sri Lanka, Pakistan, those ones we, we sometimes have white ball series against. And it's good to, to have a little separation. Yeah, I think that's one of the weird benefits of COVID, weirdly, is we had that year where there was two bubbles. It was the test bubble and the ODI bubble. And mm. it's sort of staying the same because then there was that similar thing last summer where Ben Stokes captained the ODI squad and that yeah. idea of ODI captaincy has been thrown in the air, which we will talk about. Don't worry, we're really going to dig our teeth into that one. It's very mm. interesting how COVID's actually generated this complete separation. Now, you mentioned the World Cup. I expect Root, Stokes, and if Archer was to be fit, 
that's another one. Would he play in the ODI team? My dad certainly thinks his Red Bull days are over. So that would be a very interesting one. But I do agree for the broadcasting of it. It's very good to have a test match and then a one day game. It fills the summer up a little bit more because obviously we don't, mm. we need more cricket, don't we? We clearly don't have yeah. enough cricket with the four domestic <laughs> tournaments. But it's so nice to see um, England actually supporting a growing nation and not just looking after their own bank accounts and watching that 498 was one of the best experiences of watching cricket I've ever had. It was just absolutely enthralling stuff. Who was your favourite innings? Because there's seemingly endless hundreds for England, but who was your standout player in that one? Gosh, that's actually really difficult because there were four fantastic innings, I'd say. You, you could easily pick um, each of the four of them for a, a whole host of of reasons, obviously the three centurions, Phil Salt, um, Daryl Milan, and Joss Butler, um, all pretty special in each of their own ways. Phil Salt's first international hundred, um, Milan's first ODI hundred, and, and it finishes his sort of uh, trio of having a test ODI and T20 um, hundred. And I think for Milan specifically, it was quite important that he. Yeah, I think he had only, I read something that he only had played seven ODIs before this because of the he 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 plays the the root role I think at number three and mm. obviously Root was there who played before but now the separation he's coming and and he's playing that and I think with him a lot of it you you watch Livingston you watch Butler and I'll come on to to chat a little bit about Livingston later because because you you do have to cover him but with Milan he. He is a perfect timer of the white ball. And we know that the white ball doesn't move as much as the red ball. So I think he finds it a little bit easier. But he almost plays in the same vein. He just ups his scoring rate a little bit more. He plays a couple more scoring shots and over. But he, he doesn't um, he doesn't mind just sort of blocking a good ball. If there's a good ball we'll block there, and perhaps in the first couple of overs, if we, as, as we saw, Root went relatively early, bowled by his cousin, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. It was, which was quite, Snater, I want to say. Yeah, quite um, quite a niche little stat there. It must be first time that's happened. Um, he doesn't mind leaving a ball or so. And then when he got going, he really does get going. He hits the gaps. He then sometimes looks to hit early. So I think that was a quite special 100 for him. Obviously, you've got to talk about Joss Butler's almost fastest 100 and almost mm. fastest 150. I think he was in the shot of having it. And then twice he sort of just hit it straight to a fielder so I, I did feel um feel for him a little bit obviously he was playing Holland so I mean he was probably expected to go out and, and get some big runs but we know he's continuing his form fantastically and he will be ODI number one in the world if he isn't already I don't think he quite is but he certainly will be in in both white balls I think up there and then you've got to look at living Liam Livingston's uh, what was it, 60-odd as well. Um, a really enjoyable 60, hit, wasn't it? It was, um, he, didn't he hit 32 off and over? <laughs> Something ridiculous like that, yeah. That you was, think he's coming in? No one watch. Yeah. I, I just, almost, embarrassing for the for the Holland player, but probably slightly soul-destroying that, uh, that you've just been hit, hit for 32. I know I wouldn't really like that from, from, uh, from, being a bowler so so I don't know what do you think which was uh, those four I'm guessing you're going to pick one of those four which was your sort of favorite or most most pivotal uh, score 
I'm probably going to go Milan because he entered the pantheon of having 100 in all formats of the game, joining Heather Knight and Joss Butler, and I'm a sucker for those sorts of stats. England would go on to win the series 3-0, the first game being the real uh, real enjoyable one, and Holland batting first, not really getting much, and England tottering it off. And then came the shock news. Owen Morgan is stepping down from international cricket. Wow. That's a huge announcement. Someone who I've always looked up to, someone who both me and Archie, I suppose, we're the same age, we could imagine. Owen Morgan's been a massive part of your one-day viewing and even domestic mm. T20 viewing, especially. He's stepping down. It's very weird. And as someone who's got Irish heritage at Ginger Lad, I always looked up to Owen Morgan. I even like took in pictures of Owen Morgan to the barbers. Shout out to Kiri and tried to get my hair cut like Owen Morgan. So he's a real idol of mine. And for him to step down... It's not a surprise. I think we mentioned we had a bit of a little bit of a debate really on our private sticky wickets group chat that mm. it's getting interesting how his form was dipping. And I noticed that his form dipped. And I think Owen's chosen this. This doesn't feel like an injury. This feels like Owen's going, nope, I'm stepping away now. Do you think that's the case, or do you think there's something else at play for Owen's retirement? That's a, that's a very interesting question, actually. As you say, Owen Morgan for me, is white ball cricket. There, There is no really... Uh, you could say you could go back a little bit further and say Paul Collingwood, but mm. I think is you got for me, it's the rebranding of, of white ball cricket and it's completely and utterly up to Owen Morgan. Mm. And he single-handedly has helped the team to, to the World Cup, winning the World Cup in, in 2019 on English soil. So I think... Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure. His form hasn't been the best. We, I think we saw it a little bit in the T20 World Cup where he got one or two scores, but a lot of the time he was almost just taking up balls and, and you could see him thinking, look, hang on a second, uh, there are people in the hutch or there's a man at the other end who could be hitting these four six mm-hmm. and I'm either missing them or, or not, not getting a six. So... I think he did realise that he were numbered, but um, yeah, as you say, we had a debate, and I could I could go either way. I was verging on the side of perhaps not having Morgan in this team, but still having him around and playing him perhaps once every four or five games to help the next captain um, get hit the ground running and get get a good sort of start to his captaincy. But him saying that he's going to retire. For, and and just just go is is yeah quite staggering. I think it is definitely down to him because he's not the kind of guy. Um, de- definitely by England, um, the ECB, it, you don't go to Owen Morgan and say, "Look, mate, you gotta you gotta retire from England cricket." I think it's up to him when he wants to go because he he's been such a massive part of the game for the last eight years. I think something like that. Yeah, and I was a massive. Uh, Owen Morgan apologised. He's going to go fine. He's going to find his form again. I think his form was not great going into the 2019 World Cup, if we're brutally honest. And apart from that Afghanistan innings, which was one of the great one-day innings, just absolutely just enjoyable cricket. I think it's a real shame he's not left with that trophy. And I know there was a lot of reports that he was going to retire lifting the World Cup. And then he's just sort of clung on to it for two years. And I think these two years will be sort of looked at as a sort of hinterland, in my opinion, when we review Morg's captaincy. You're right, I think. And COVID didn't help really at all because they because that was almost just the next time that the white ball were going to play. 
Mm. Um, well, any cricket. So, so it, that all got cancelled, and then there was a couple of series, and it never really felt like a real international game. It was sort of behind closed doors. Yeah, it was, just, it, it was still an international game, but it just didn't. It didn't feel a hundred percent real. And I think he wanted to win the T20 World Cup. I think he thought, right, I've done the ODI. Let's do the T20 World Cup. And so, not winning it at the back end of last year was probably quite, um, yeah, disappointing for him. And then the opportunity of one, the end of this year came along and he went, look, okay, let's see if I can squeeze out another year, which unfortunately he hasn't done. So yeah, the fact that he's retiring now after beating the Netherlands or the Holland thing is, is a little strange time to go, possibly the right time because then, you, this new captain has a tiny bit of time to to go into the T20 World Cup. But I think this does reduce our chances of, of getting a result there quite dramatically because of the change-up within the team and the change-up within the leadership. I think there are still players there that obviously we're going to come on to talk about who can lead the team, but they won't have as much... I don't think they have as much rece- receptiveness as um, Owen Morgan did immediately that the effect will, will be a slow gradual effect that they will come to to come and it will then become their team after after a couple of years I think or a couple of uh, series I think your use of the word there is really interesting and I think it demonstrates how much of Owen Morgan is put onto this current England team and that England team that went on to win the World Cup by the barest of margins myself and maybe in literally every other English based cricket podcast has mentioned it it's very much Owen Morgan's side. And I think it's it's Owen Morgan's side that's been influenced by the New Zealand style. And we've got to remember where we've come from. Literally humiliating defeat against Bangladesh. I remember coming back and I had a day off school, watching that defeat and it just being, this is an awful time in, test, in English cricket, coming off the back of a whitewash um, a winter earlier, um, just looking absolutely toothless. And one of the worst... World Cup performances and before that the 2014 World Cup in the T20 again pretty banal 2012 again not not very good it was a real low point in white ball cricket come another year and you're looking at England playing really exciting cricket Hales Roy especially David Willey it was a really exciting aggressive team Liam Plunkett hitting a six off the last ball against Sri Lanka at Trent Bridge one of the best moments and I think that is off Owen Morgan's calm aggression he was calm in the moment but he still hit an absolute outrageous six and I think that demonstrates it 2016 you go to Stokes in that final um, again under Morgan's captaincy I think his T20 career for England hasn't been as prominent as his one day stuff because we've got to remember he's also the T20 captain um, yeah. losing that final very disappointing I, I was absolutely gutted really gutted for that Champions Trophy later that summer was it that summer? No it was the summer after 2017 wasn't it? and get into that semi-final. And it was building and building and building to that World Cup final. Morgs gets out pretty innocuously, I want to say, uh, cut to Lockie Ferguson it, down by the mound stand, I want to say, and it being an absolute great take. But Morgan's captaincy and man managing is the thing that we'll remember him for, not only in that final when he goes to Archer. And apparently Archer said, can we review that wide? <laughs> Morgan had to calmly say, no, no, we can't do that, Joff, we can't do that. <laughs> and his management over the past seven years as England captain have been sensational. Can you think of any other England captain 
any other sport who's had such good man management? No, well, there probably are a couple. You can, you can. I'm going to take my little rugby knowledge here. Go for it. And say perhaps um, that England winning World Cup winning captain Martin Johnson, who really just, as we say, as as you've said, and, and I said in my other point, it made them their team. It was hmm. Owen Morgan's England team. It was Martin Johnson's England team. And when you have that, um, when you when your name is is so fondly sort of thought upon, and and if you think of their team, you think, oh, you the first person comes to mind is the captain then you you're already st- steps ahead of other teams that have to sort of um get a captain who might not be fit or might not be actually in the moment the best uh, leader on the pitch so i think that his yeah as you say man mag- management has been fantastic and you can definitely tell that in the in the change room in in when the meetings happen he's very calm very collected and whether England win, lose, draw, tie, whatever, he will always go, right, what have we done well? Mm. And he'll spend, let's say, 15 minutes on that. And then he says, what, have we, what can we improve on? And he'll spend three times the amount on that because all he wants to do is get better and he will, he will want his players to get better, which I think you've definitely seen in this sort of last couple of, uh, well, last year, I think, when his form has declined, he's still going, look, I want, my, the rest of my players to continue to improve because obviously I'm heading towards the uh, an exit of my career but he wants the other players to continue improving and and to carry the team forward so I think yeah his his man management has been second to none and and it's going to be very difficult to get that um, leadership and, and authority and respect it's I use the word authority slightly um, not quite meaning what I what I, I think respect's a better word because he does. I know that everyone will look up to him, even whether you have just come into the side or whether you've played um, 50 caps and you're the vice captain. You will still put Morgs on a pedestal above everyone else. He's the top of the pyramid. And so, yeah, he's, he's almost irreplaceable in the near future. I think it's come to uh, the new captain will come to, to build build their sort of legacy. But it's yeah, it's, it's very sort of surprising news. At the, at the moment, I'm. I was really shocked by it, and but then when you think about it, the more we talked about it, it is a natural progression. It is a natural time to say goodbye to Owen. I think the hundred are delighted about this. It means Owen Morgan's going to be playing domestic cricket throughout the summer. Beauty and <laughs> loving this. Um, I want to talk about how Morgs. This is the last point I really want to say. I think he really represents a modern Britain and a modern England cricket mentality very much more than previous England captains. I think after the World Cup, he said they had the luck of the Irish with them. He was asked by a reporter, did they have the luck of the Irish with them? No, we had Allah by our side. And that's what Adil Rashid said. I don't think any other English captain would have mentioned that. I just think Morgs has led this amazingly diverse team that I think English cricket really should put out to the nation that we are modern, we're forward thinking, we're not just public schoolboys that we once were. This is a team for everyone. And I think Morgs has really led that. And coming from Ireland, playing for Ireland at the 2007 World Cup and just being, you know, playing not only for his, not for his nation of birth, but playing for England. I think it's a fantastic story. And I'm really happy Morgs led that side to victory. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I think he, 
as you say, he's the, the original, or he encompasses that already. So when you see um, videos of in the, the World Cup final, where when we won, and um, obviously um, Mo and Ali and, and Ada Rashid don't um, drink alcohol uh, because of their faith. Morse went, look, hang on, guys, we'll let's wait a second let's lift the trophy let's have the photos and then we can spray the champagne which is absolutely fantastic and that comes with a lot of experience of being in that position as as you say as a as playing for Ireland and then and then becoming um into the England team and and maturity I think he's he's a fantastically calm person in the head as well as as the way he goes about the game so I think he is probably a lot of people's heroes who are now coming through um, cricket as, as youngsters, little uh, English or, or whatever, to be fair, as we've, as we've just made that point. So I think, yeah, he's, he's going to go down as, as one of the greats, really. I think Rob Key needs to hold on to his chair pretty tightly at the moment. Um, there's a vacancy now, captaincy for the T20 squad and the one-day squad are now open. If we're honest, I don't think Ben Stokes will give be given that. I think his test is now the main role for him. That leaves a, f- a few candidates, but the main one, I believe, is Joss Butler. Mm. Any Anyone else, Archie, or is Butler the man to take over? From um, yeah, I don't think there's too many other options. You, you could go to bowler, but I don't think there are really any other standout bowlers. Uh, one Mo and Ali could be a potential, but I I don't think he's uh, he's really too far in the frame when you've got Josh Butler um, against you, really. And I think I think yeah, if if Butler does get the get the nod, then I think he'll he'll have a couple of sort of series to get into the fold, and then I think he'll be all right. What what do you think if Butler does become the uh, the white ball captain? I'm I'm not sure where I really stand with Butler personally. I I've never gotten behind him that much. I don't know what it is. I think maybe being born and supporting Gloucester for a long time, seeing them, him being a Somerset boy, has never really landed <laughs> true with me. And that sort of period in the early 2010s when Somerset would always get to finals day and mess it up in quite incredible fashions. I'd be a little bit worried about that. And he actually talked about that and the World Cup Through Our Eyes, which is a fantastic Sky Sports documentary, which was a great way to actually learn about Owen Morgan as a man, as well as as a captain, and in that camp. So I'd really recommend that. But I think he is the natural um, he is the natural successor. I think that is what Owen Morgan would want. And I think Butler is the type of softly spoken man to lead England forward. That pretty much sums it up. Archie, have you got any more cricket points? Have you got a game this weekend that the fans can wait to hear about your successes? Uh, yeah, we I do actually. Away to a little village near Buckingham called Maids Morton. So hopefully look for some, uh, some more runs. Unfortunately, not captain this weekend. Captain oh. is back. So my captaincy reign is one from one and uh, 100% record. Maybe we'll leave it from, for that <laughs> moment. Uh, what about you? You got any uh, games coming up? I've got the staff and alumni versus pupils game, which I'm quite worried about because the last time I played mm. in it last year, I had three drops off my bowling off a county player, and it was just so frustrating. Um, <laughs> my dad said he was going to umpire, but I'm not sure if that's going through. But I've really enjoyed playing for the, my old school staff team because 
it's just so nice to see the teachers. And I got to play at the Clifton College ground, which is the site of the mm. second highest individual score by any batsman in proper cricket. I think it's something ridiculous, like 900. So it was quite magical to play on there. Uh, bowling on that was with a pink ball was just beautiful. But yeah, that pretty much sums it up. This has been a sort of weird episode. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave a moment of silence for Toby and his thoughts of Johnny Bairstow. Yeah, I think that's long enough. I was so disappointed on the previous podcast. We didn't get him to apologise more. So, dear listener, we will make sure Toby apologises from every episode forward about his strong anti-Bairstow views. But it's a go well from me and it's a go well from Archie. Go well. Cheers and keep it URN. Thank <laughs> you.